Ah, paper cup wine. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you're in good spirits for this. I am. I'm in very good spirits. of fighting for the so-called greater good are over. This is our chance to control the truth, the concepts of right and wrong for everyone for centuries to come. You're fighting to save an ideal that doesn't exist. Never did. You need to pick a side. Well, we'll see. We'll see. But yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's get into Dead Reckoning. All right. So joining me is my co-host on Trilogy and Theory, uh, where you would find such new releases as uh, The Flash, uh, but not Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning, because we don't like listeners over at Trilogy <laughs> and Theory. We like movies and we like each other, Web, but we don't like to bring in the listeners when we cover new material. Not at all. And and I must apologize that my, my audio quality is not as pristine as it normally is. I am, in fact, on location, not in a submarine, uh, not in the Arabian Desert, Abu Dhabi, Venice, or the Orient Express. I'm on location in Florida, and I can't wait to not be here. But I'm so excited to be on call with you, buddy. I mean, I know your reasons, uh, which, you know, are, well, personal, professional. Uh, but I'm just going to tell our listeners that you are such a junkie for Tom Cruise that you went to his now, I think that's his home state. I think that's now where he resides, is in Florida. So you're <laughs> you're on location uh, with Tom for Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. And let me pull up the Rotten Tomatoes. Um. Oh, ninety six percent. So you must have really fucking hated this web. No, 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 not at all. Not at all. We'll get into it. Oh no! <laughs> there goes ten minutes of my material. <laughs> you enjoyed this, drats. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I really wanted to rewatch all of the Mission Impossible films uh, before Part Seven because I generally don't remember what happens in any of these movies. It always seems like Ethan Hunt is being framed in all of them. And and it turns out that he's always right in all of them. And I I, I went ahead and rewatched the first film, and I loved it. And I know it doesn't have all the the, the adrenaline of the later uh, Macquarie films, um, but but it has Brian De Palma, and it has fun camera angles, and it has split diopter shots, and it has Gordon Bombay being gored into an elevator beam. Um, there's a lot of charm. To that movie that I think gets kind of lost in later entries as it becomes uh, more of a Tom Cruise adrenaline junkie. And then I was like, oh, that was great. Let's go move right ahead on to part two. I think I got about an hour into part two and I was like, I probably don't need to rewatch all these films. And that's kind of where my... Uh, my... Boo. <laughs> boo. <laughs> Why boo? Why do you like part two so much, Mike? It was so – I guess I shouldn't say wildly different, but you, you and I were talking in the build-up to Dead Reckoning that you, you were sort of lamenting that the first, I guess, three entries uh, have 
different directors. I mean, there's not only is there like a time difference. I think I believe it was like four years between one and two, and then like five or six years between two and three. So it gave you time to kind of forget, and it never developed the sort of house style, which was interesting considering Tom Cruise is sort of a brand unto himself. But Tom Cruise of that time period was very interested in working with very different directors. He was very like you know auteur focused, uh, aligning himself. I mean with Stanley Kubrick and Paul Thomas Anderson in one year, yeah. <laughs> 1999, getting those two. Uh, so I've kind of, I'm somewhat like you and that I've, I know I've enjoyed all of these later ones going back to, was it Brad Bird that sort of brought the franchise back? Was his, was it Rogue Nation? Is that the fourth one? Ghost okay, Protocol. So the titles also run together. Yeah. Ghost, Ghost Protocol. Protocol. So then Rogue Nation, Rogue Nation and then Fallout. Fallout. Okay, I cannot tell you Rogue Nation and Fallout. I, I cannot tell you <laughs> what happens in either one. I remember enjoying them, never rewatching them. So to answer your question on why I am such a champion for part two, that is from like DVD days, man. That is like you know the end of the nineties, early two thousands. That is when you know young Mike, uh, no cable, just watched DVDs over and over, and whatever DVDs I had on hand, which would include Mission Impossible two. They got at least forty plays. <laughs> <laughs> so they, those <laughs> those films are like etched in my brain, um, and I can't say the same about the more recent ones. But it seems like amongst the film community now that uh, Fallout is considered like you know the champion that has now been dethroned by Dead Reckoning. Um, I'm only going to take these people at their word, and that I thoroughly enjoyed Dead Reckoning, and I do think I'll remember this one and want to rewatch it. Um, is it got the best script? No, there's a few, you know, I don't think intentionally, or maybe it is intentional uh, humor spits where you have like seven operatives or board members uh, sitting around splitting up like this, this long expository dialogue. And I think it happens like a couple of times you're waving your hands. I'm hoping in agreement with what it, it, <laughs> I was like, I don't know if this is working, but <laughs> it was the most movie moment I think I've had in a movie this year because I was like, this doesn't really happen. They all have one specific thought, and they're splitting it up among six or seven different individuals. It was very, very comical. I don't know if it was intentional, because it's such a serious moment. And it's also kind of to throw you off and introduce kind of the MacGuffin that the film relies on. Yeah, uh, the, the the partnership of, uh, uh, is it Macquarie, Macquarie and, and Tom Cruise? Macquarie, Macquarie, I think. Yeah. Uh, and I think he was writing. Well, shout out to him. Uh, the Way of the Gun is another DVD favorite of mine from uh, the year 2000. That one got a lot of uh, replay. I believe that is his directing debut, and I much prefer it to The Usual Suspects for various reasons. But, uh, yeah, uh, I can't say the same about – I think him and Tom Cruise start working with on Valkyrie, and I don't think that one got the same amount of love a Val for me. Oh, yeah, uh, maybe he wrote it because Singer directed Valkyrie. But he did direct, I think, Jack Reacher, which I dug. Not Jack Reacher Part 2, Never Go Back. I thought that was terrible. Well, which stinks. I didn't, even... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even finish it. I was like, an hour in, I was like... You love how I, I jump in and defend John Woo's Mission Impossible 2, but Jack Reacher 2, I'm like, fuck that. <laughs> Who <Right>. needs it? <laughs> so you said that you liked the script. I thought, like, I got out of this movie and I was like, that was... Big. No, 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 no. Oh, okay. No. No, I don't like. I like. I like. I'm, I'm going to say this film is the definition of Hitchcockian, and 
Uh, I remember reading an anecdote about how North by Northwest came together. Um, and Hitchcock would bring in a writer <laughs> and sit in his office or lay down on the couch like it was therapy and be like, yeah, I need a movie where uh, uh, we do a chase on Mount Rushmore. Can you make that happen? Can you come up with something? That's what I'm telling you. I need this, this, and this. And Dead Reckoning is Hitchcockian in that way and that it feels like they worked backwards from the set pieces. However, to me, the set pieces are so methodical and so exhilarating just in their execution. I don't really care that I can sort of see the strings that, you know, loosely tie these events together, whether we're going to be in a car chase in, in Rome or a fight sequence in Venice or wherever it's taking place. I don't care. Like, it's like I'm maybe that's age where it's like, I've seen all the tricks before. I just want the tricks to be performed well. And I think they are excellent here. I, I loved pretty much every set piece. So what I was saying is I'm excusing even in the moment, the sort of knowing stupidity, like we all know, Hey, this is kind of dumb. we got a few pages to get through here and then we're going to let you play with your toys. <laughs> if you just let us uh, explain the instructions of the toys to you with seven different, like supporting characters, then you'll get to have some fun. hundred percent. This is a formula that I think the recent films have kind of been following where it's, it's a, it's one set piece after another that develops its characters just just enough to keep you invested in them. And they are strung together by a plot in the loosest terms. And in Dead Reckoning, let me see if I get this straight. We have an artificial intelligence that uh, has been developed by the Americans, uh, implanted into a Russian sub, but it goes rogue and I guess has... Uh, world domination plans um, and now all the other nations are after it because every other nation has world domination plans and one man doesn't and that's Ethan Hunt and he wants to destroy it and the only way he, he can destroy it is to get a key that's split into two parts just like this uh, this uh, this movie and <laughs> <laughs> metaphor <laughs> You sound like a studio executive. We got to split it in half. We got to sell it twice. Not just one summer, but two. Right. These guys kind of epitomize what people think of as like the old studio boss who's like, never mind the guy on the typewriter. What's on the poster? Broads with big bosoms, you know. And so that's the MacGuffin of the film with this key uh, that unlocks something and that something turns out to be access to the original source code of the AI, which may have a clue as to how to destroy it, uh, which is called uh, the entity as it's called throughout the film. This, uh, that, that in and of itself is funny to me. So the film starts off with, we got to get this key and it ends with, we got the key. Oh yeah. Well, the key is just the beginning. I mean, spoiler alert, I guess, but, <laughs> but somehow. No, I don't. I, I was getting asked by buddies because I was I was very enthusiastic coming out of the screening Monday night, and I tried not to to, to give you uh, any of it because I knew we were records. So I didn't want to sort of shade you know, your viewing of it. Uh, but similar to what you were saying, as far as like, ah, do I need to watch the other ones? Like, I had a friend saying like, I, I don't really remember <laughs> what happened the last ones. I'm like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't. You know, I don't even think the flashbacks here. I think they introduced a character. I don't think this. Uh, sidekick to the entity is someone that's in prior entries in the series. 
which is the way I want it. I don't care. I don't, <laughs> I don't need you to set this up in 1996. So it pays off in 2023. It's fine. And I definitely don't need John Voight coming back. No, we don't No, No, that's fine. Leave, leave him aside. Um, but yeah, I, I, I looked at it as I, I keep waiting for the podcast. It's going to try to go deep on this. Like, no, no, no. The entity, this is actually like a pro union movie. Like, <laughs> like AI worker B is sent down into a Russian sub and it decides I'm not getting paid for this. I'm going to control the means of production, which is the entire world. I'm going to control all humans and I'm going to work it out because you brought up a, actually a good point that I'd forgotten. Ethan Hunt to have such respect is apparently disregarded in every entry. They're like, he's the best in the business. Fuck that guy. Like even his own people are like, you know, it'd be nice him in handcuffs. <laughs> yeah. So there doesn't seem to be respect for boots on the ground. So I'm, you know, awaiting in part two, this is a non-spoiler cause I don't know for the entity and, uh, Ethan Hunt to have like a little heart to heart about how they've been used and abused, you know, kind of like, uh, Jason Bourne, you know, Matt Damon, and Clive Owen in the field, you know, where they, you know, they shoot at each other. And then one of them is, Wounded, and they have like this really sentimental, like you know, look what they make us get. I'm hoping the entity, who uh, in our talks, <laughs> will have Clive Owen's voice and will be named Jerry. You know, and what happens when Jerry gets sad? Shout out to our latest episode on Trilogy and Theory, where we cover Sphere. Certainly, <laughs> I'm sure we will not get anyone. No one checking out Dead Reckoning is like, I wonder if there's a Sphere episode laying around somewhere. That's what I want to hear next, Mike. You, I really tried to uh, decide, like, what would be the term for fans of sphere and i settled on freaks and i don't know if it works <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> i couldn't i i I, yeah. I didn't know anything else that i could go with so this film at the end of the day i mean it, it's quite good it does not feel it's three hour length it really doesn't the set pieces are so fast and fun did you have a specific favorite one out of all of them um, it's one that I, I shared with my wife who, uh, certainly is not, I don't, she's probably skipped a few of these, uh, mission impossibles and also is not too concerned about it. She was not happy when she discovered the runtime, which I did not relate to her until after the tickets were bought and we we're on our way to the movies, uh, for a Monday night, uh, screening. But she said the same thing you did. She's like, they didn't really feel that long. She's like, if we weren't like going on a weeknight where I have to like get up early, she's like, if we'd seen this on like a Saturday afternoon, I wouldn't have felt the three hours at all. Um, and a comment she made, and I, I agree with this, uh, and maybe it's her outsider perspective to the series. She's like, I didn't realize that like uh, Tom Cruise's character, the spy was going to be basically backpedaling so often. Sure. You see uh, James Bond or, or Jason Bourne put into impossible situations where it's like, how are they going to get out of this? But there was like a time period uh, where it seemed like, well, just to use Jason Bourne, uh, all he needs is like a magazine. And he's going to somehow kill 17 men with that, that one magazine. He rolls up in his, his fist. It went to that extreme where it's like, he is so skilled. Uh, he's the Terminator. Uh, and she liked, and I guess I hadn't really noticed before that Tom Cruise does allow himself to look panicked. It's a little Bruce Willsey, like the John McClane, like, Oh shit, this is happening to me. Uh, he gets out of it. Uh, but in particular with this new, uh, thief character of grace played by, uh, Haley Atwell, uh, oftentimes he's like, you know, on the other end of it, especially in that car chase sequence, I believe in, in Rome, uh, where both of them look at like, I can't believe this is the situation. We're both incredibly skilled people in our fields where we should be superheroes. 
and yet on their faces they look like I'm decidedly not a superhero. I cannot believe I'm driving this vehicle. I can't believe that I find myself handcuffed to the steering wheel. Like, how did I find myself in this predicament? And I enjoyed, I guess, the the fact that they weren't scared to inject some humor um, kind of pointed at their characters. Uh, it's not just Captain America or Iron Man be quippy. It's the fact that they are made to look uh, kind of silly at times. Because it's, it's a silly sequence and it's a silly movie. And I... I think Tom Cruise maybe sometimes accurately has been accused of being like, especially in these type of movies, incredibly self-serious. Uh, I'll go back to mission impossible too. And you probably won't remember the sequence cause you bailed out, you know, 20 minutes in. Uh, but I believe it is the, uh, you know, the moment that it was probably on AFI as one of their top 100 lists. I'm sure at, the, at that time, <laughs> top 100 scenes of romance or passion or something. Uh, where uh, Tandy Newton injects herself with the Crimera uh, virus because they don't know how to get the virus out of the building. So she injects it in herself so that they can't kill her. Uh, and Tom Cruise has to jump out of a building. Uh, he has to leave her. But he has this like monologue where he's like on the verge of tears. Like, you know, I will find you. I promise. There it is, guys. The last of it. Was it tough, bid? Why? You're gonna make me a better offer? 37 million pounds? Not really. Oh. Somebody has been slipping you our mail. Come on over here, you bad girl. Sean, she doesn't belong here. Let her go. She wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you, Hunt. From this moment, you are responsible for what happens to her. And if you're looking out for her well-being, I suggest you advise her to pick up the injection gun and bring it to me. Bow's in your court, Hunt. How do you know he won't shoot you the minute he's got it? Please. One can't hold Naya responsible for our actions. You know women, mate. Like monkeys they are. Won't let go of one branch till they get a grip on the next. Get it, Naya. I'll cover you.
not going to shoot me, Sean. Not this bitch. Because she's worth 37 million pounds. What do you think you were doing? I wasn't thinking. Just trying to stop you from getting hurt, that's all. You who don't have a conscience. I guess I lied. You can't get us both out of here, can you? I'm infected with Chimera. You know you don't have a choice. Just do it. Do it now! into your system before then! Just stay alive! I'm not going to lose you! And, uh... I, I won't go too far into it in this one since it is new. Spoiler there's some, uh... There's some outright failures. <laughs> there's, some, there's a pretty big miss on Ethan Hunt's part, and they actually have other characters talking about it. Like, hey, this guy fucks up a lot. And I enjoyed that. <laughs> I enjoy seeing... I like to build up my movie god's web, and then I like to see them brought low. So Tom Cruise, getting meta again, has gone through that in his own, his own career. He ain't working with Kubrick and PTA anymore, is what I'm saying. Christopher McQuarrie. No, no. He's kind of he's kind of created his own little bubble for himself, and he, he works just fine in it. Uh, one of the things that I also... Uh, it, it kind of took me by surprise, where he was very quick to uh, have Grace as kind of the equal to Rebecca Ferguson's character. It was like, oh, I, I don't know how to choose between the two. It was like, you really don't? You just met this person, and you all of a sudden consider her a friend? <laughs> I thought that was kind of odd. I actually went back to Rogue Nation because I was like, oh, I don't feel like going through three in J.J. Abrams. But in, 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 there's a quote in four, in, in Ghost, excuse me, Ghost, uh, Rogue Nation, I apologize. In Ghost Protocol, in Ghost Protocol, he says, I'll do anything for my friends. I was like, okay, right on. So I guess that's established in part four. And it pops up in, in part seven. And I don't know when he decided that Grace, this thief who screws him at every turn, which is a great quality, by the way. I I, I absolutely love Haley Atwell. I love Agent Carter, or excuse me, Captain Carter in the What If universe. I, 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 she was so underutilized in the MCU, and I'm so happy that she gets to smile and her dimples show up, and it's all wonderful throughout this film. <laughs> it is. Uh, I was about to jump in for Uncle Mike pervy hour, and then you kind of just like took the wind out of my sails because I was going to, you know, shine the light on Vanessa Kirby. You're talking about Rebecca Ferguson, Haley Atwell. Uh, I tapped my wife on the shoulder uh, when I knew uh, the White Widow was about to be introduced, just based on some <laughs> trailers. And I'm like, hey, look at this one. <laughs> look what's about to come up. <laughs> I, I immediately thought of you in that moment. and, and I, I That's awesome. You know, I, <laughs> I'm glad you know me so well. We, 
We've never watched a movie together, Mike, but I wanted you to be next to me because I would have turned to you and done the elbow, just like, hey, hey, it's happening. It's coming. Get ready, buddy. Uh, <laughs> you know, our first movie together is probably going to be like Step Up 4 or something, some nonsensical film. I, like, I built it up in my head, but our first movie together is going to be so lame. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. My, uh, my my favorite set piece uh, is the train. It, it builds up to, I mean, gosh, it is so good. It's hard not to choose that one because, first of all, it doesn't even start with Ethan, you know? Ethan is trying to get himself on there. And like you said, he is, he balances this weird Superman slash completely inept individual, you know? He makes you think that he's not going to be able to do it, and he always does it, and you always fall for it because Cruz does such a good job of being like, Son, what do you mean? You know, he's talking to uh, his buddy, uh, Don, um, Simon Pegg. He's like, I, what, what, just jump and open up the parachute? It's not that, it's not that easy, buddy. And and he does it anyway, so that's great. And it's also paying. I, just said, I love Simon Pegg's reaction to that, like, Dude, I'm trying to drive this car here. Like I have, like I'm a normal person. I have like real problems. You've done this a thousand times in six other movies. <laughs> Get on the bike and drive off the fucking cliff. <laughs> right. And you know what? As a cinephile, I was very much like, ooh. As soon as I heard the words Orient Express, I was like, ooh, goody. They're gonna pay homage to to you know uh, to Lamette's version. Not the Kenneth Branagh mustache version. So right away, I was like, "Oh, perfect!" So that e e even that uh, the fact that they're giving a nod to a classic Agatha Christie novel and a great seventies uh, movie, I was very happy about that. And you know, the train sequence. Anytime a train is involved, you kind of know, like, "Oh, they're gonna have to uh, uh, unlatch one of the segments, or there's gonna be a bomb exploding part of a a bridge." These are all cliches that you've seen in other movies. But this one does a great remix of all of the things that you've seen prior and, and gives it to you in kind of a fresh way. Even the Uncharted games, I think part two does a couple of great train sequences. So I, I mean, it's, it is hard not to leave the theater smiling. And, I, and I'd, I'd also like to give a big shout out to, oh gosh, I, I, I don't think I can pronounce her name probably, Palm Clementif? She is so good here too, and she's kind of given the, um, the the deadly little Miho role, you know, the the, the Asian character who is kind of crazy, and then she's even given a samurai sword. <laughs> I, I was going a different direction. I was saying she's playing the Martin Landau part from North by Northwest. <laughs> she's the heavy. She's the henchman. She's the kind of odd, cool presence that's always hanging back, but you know, very threatening. Um, I dug it. Um, Me too. I dug how they, I'll say, resolved that character. I guess uh, that was because that was gonna be one like little minor complaint I had, and uh, I I liked how they 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 ended that up. As soon as Ethan spared her life, I was like, oh, she's coming to the good side. And it's good. <laughs> <laughs> they're, pl they're playing right to me. They are telling me that this movie is for you. Uh, you know, uh, Webb, you're tired of that Guardians of the Galaxy 
uh, nonsense makeup. You're ready to see her in all her glory. Here's a here's a teardrop tattoo for you. She's a badass, and you're gonna have a good time. I uh, yeah, man. Like it. I didn't mean to ruin it, buddy, by comparing her to Martin Landau. But I, I just had <laughs> North by okay. Northwest on my mind. I was enjoying it so much. I was like, is this what people felt like in like 19 what? 59 like when they like if there was like whatever the version of like you know film twitter or you know film threads or whatever now at this point podcasting where people just like going nuts about you know the the little crop dusting sequence where Cary Grant almost gets his head taken off and Mount Rushmore all of it like it's just it's one of those things that is very hard for me to answer but it's like you know in 50 years will this be seen as some sort of classic or is because is it it's a part of a franchise? Will it be sort of lost in the shuffle of like, oh yeah, that was a pretty good series? Can it stand on its own? Can this thing individually stand the test of time? I don't know. I don't know if it's different enough from the other entries. I, I hope so because right now I really enjoy it. I mean, Fallout will always have the mustache thing with Henry Cavill and Justice League. It'll always have that story mm-hmm. tied to it. So I think I'll always remember Fallout because of that. But I, I hope this one, and you know, we'll see. We'll see what part two has going forward because I genuinely, I mean, honestly, I know this is a part one, but by no means did I feel like I felt at the end of Across the Spider-Verse. I'm not like, what's going to happen next? I'm like, oh, great. That was a great adventure. You know, if the next one comes, great. I'll I'll be looking forward to that mm-hmm. one as well. But uh, in terms of story, I, yeah, I'm not invested in the least. I'm invested in seeing more uh, Haley Atwell, I'm invested in seeing more uh, Palm, her her character Paris, seeing uh, if she gets to be a part of the uh, Impossible Mission uh, Bureau, faction, whatever. If she gets to be part of the team. I was so pleased when, when uh, one of the agents was like, oh, she's got a pulse, she's got a pulse. I was like, baby, this franchise has a pulse, okay? I'm I'm all in, which but you know what, which actually leads me to another question. So this film and and part the part two was kind of billed as oh this is it this is Ethan Hunt's last hurrah, but is it though? Because I know I know Tom Cruise has mentioned that hey I I'll do that I'll keep going, um, but there are they are exploring other ways to kind of continue the series, which if you kind of look at. Paris's character, or maybe uh, Haley Atwell, and well, maybe they will also continue with these two, or and all the other, you know, Simon Pegg, Ving Ring, whatever. I mean, keep them coming, right? Keep, with or without Tom Cruise. Oh, you know what? Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Keep them coming, but do you need Tom Cruise to continue this? It's it's odd because the uh, as far as the marketing goes, there is no currently there is no movie star like Tom Cruise no. who is you know years in advance saying hey I'm going <laughs> to drive this motorcycle off a cliff I mean you don't even have teasers you have teasers of like look at this stunt we have coming up for you in two years time uh, and he is <laughs> I saw a, a funny clip with him where um, I don't know what outlet it was uh, I assume they go to like you know Gen Z younger generation uh, and they had him on the little red carpet, and they're like, "Hey, you know, you've had such a long, lustrous career, basically calling him old." <laughs> so, to our our viewers who are just now discovering you through your more recent films, uh, you know, where would you, where would you, as Tom Cruise, want someone to start watching Tom Cruise? Because you have such like he has 
such a esteemed history as we mentioned with the, the filmmakers you worked with and the ultimate salesman uh he's like okay if they have to start with one movie now uh they can buy a ticket to dead reckoning part one that's where i'd start that's where i tell someone to start and i'm like look i was like this is like old time studio system where you have the movie star saying what I'm promoting right now. That's where you start. Cause that's the only thing I currently have in theaters. So get your ass and support the actual exhibition. I love that. Uh, but I do think that they, after trying to throw Jeremy Renner in there, is that ghost protocol? Is that where he comes in? Um, you know, I'm glad he's, he's healthy and recovering and all that, but America rejected Jeremy Renner twice uh, he tried to be established in the jason bourne franchise and that's the one that <laughs> failed so they have to bring matt damon back and they tried to you know slide him in saying hey he's gonna be the guy taking over tom cruise and people are like nah and i also think tom cruise was like no no one's taking this from me but the cast that they have at least in dead reckoning part one and the ones they've sort of brought along from uh the i guess part four and up it does feel like they have finally countered those criticisms of the Brian De Palma film, which was, this is, Hey, this is just a Tom Cruise action movie. Uh, you know, the, the series was based around a team working together with all these different skill sets and <laughs> you kill them all off except for Tom Cruise <laughs> and one other one in the, the first 10 minutes. And I remember that, of course, being a kid in the nineties, I was like, I don't even, I know mission impossible, the themes music, but I've never seen an episode. So I don't give a fuck. Like, the you know getting the knock list was cool as hell anyway i don't care how many people were involved with it and i certainly didn't care that emilio estevez gets killed in the first sequence at all in fact i think i kind of liked it <laughs> but to answer your question i don't i don't know because the marketing says hey this is like the next tom cruise event movie but i feel like there's a lot more goodwill to the supporting cast and the team members here and they haven't forced it no one no one said hey uh rebecca ferguson is going to be uh, the next Ethan Hunt. It feels like they just cast people that are good actors, are likable, they have charisma, they put them in various roles. I was trying to explain to a coworker who hates Tom Cruise, I was like, well, there's a lot of badass women in this. Like, actually, like, you know, <laughs> per action sequence, most of the time it's, like, females who are dominating the fights and the attention of this, which I enjoyed. So, I don't know. I don't know how to answer your question, but I, I think if Tom Cruise stepped away, they possibly could. What I would not hope for is that they just reboot it entirely and cast a new Ethan Hunt, like Ethan Hunt, the younger days or anything like that. I would much rather it be one of these characters, uh, preferably uh, Vanessa Kirby. Uh, <laughs> boy, did I love a sequence. Spoiler alert where there's two of them. There are two Vanessa Kirby's on screen. Oh my God. I was in heaven. <laughs> heaven. I, I, I took pleasure in one of them being Haley Atwell. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. This has been uh, two old perverts from Trilogy and Theory discussing <laughs> possibly the movie event of the summer. We, I promise you, we will not come back for Barbie. But on Trilogy and Theory, we will be getting what some sexy talk in for Oppenheimer if we can. We'll try to make, we'll try to make it work. You know, in my rewatch for Ghost Protocol, uh, you have one of the main characters in the beginning uh, who rescues Ethan out of the prison the russian prison being like oh you know he's like who are you he's like i'm agent carter i'm like you're not agent carter agent carter is in part seven <laughs> boo <laughs> <laughs> no man this this movie is straight up fun dumb summer popcorn entertainment there's 
anybody who's trying to see a deeper meaning into it for a reason to like it is crazy. Just this is what summer is all about. We're we're in we're in July. This is exactly the kind of movie I want right now. So much fun. You get so you know, at the beginning of the movie it started off with a little PSA from from the director and Tom Cruise being like, Thank you for coming out to the theaters. This movie was made to be in theaters and I hope it's in theaters for the next three months and I hope I hope it, it gets the the, the the Top Gun Maverick treatment, where you're like, when is this coming out in digital? Fuck it, I'll just go to the theater and watch it. Great. That's. I mean, I, I hope that for this, for Barbie and Oppenheimer. Yeah. I hope you have three wildly different films that are massive hits right in the middle of summer. I would I would love that. Um, I have a last question for you. Since we both enjoyed it, now I saw it with my wife. You saw it solo because you're on a, a work trip, but um, would you go see it again? Yes. Would you go see it you know, next week? Yes. You would? Okay, good. Absolutely. I think my wife would dig it. I always worry about these Mission Impossible films when I when it comes to my wife because I mean again, it's a seventh one. There are all these different characters to kind of keep keep track of. But I think you can just watch these films based on the action sequences alone and the set pieces because they're so well done. And again, when I talk about character development through the action, you've got character like like Haley Atwell. Like, what is she going to do? Is she is she working with Ethan? Is she going to screw him over? Every single step of the, all that stuff happens through physicality, and and I think it's perfect. Uh, while yes, all that the oh gosh, that whole sequence with those six people back and forth, and and and, and Doctor Gordon, <laughs> Doctor Gordon, that's Carlyle's character from from Saw. <laughs> I, I I know Princess Bride is kind of the, the the one where they people usually. I don't know why I always think of him from Saw. But anyway, so him and all the other characters talking about this artificial intelligence, I think I'm going to lean over to my wife and be like, listen, it's this computer that's becoming self-aware that wants to take over the world. And I think she's like, okay. I mean, I'm fine with that. I just know the amount of times that you've mentioned Haley Atwell to me, you may want to limit your enthusiasm. Like, I checked myself to just have one moment, one scene with my wife <laughs> and Vanessa Kirby, and then I kept my mouth shut. I kept it private. I'm just, you know, advising you, maybe just one sequence. You'll be like, boy, she's, uh, what a charming young lady. And then that's it. But if it, if, you, if you mention the amount of times you've mentioned her to me, <laughs> there may be issues. <laughs> she may not like Dead Reckoning as much as we did. Don't bring up her charming smile, the dimples. The, yeah, yeah, okay. None of that. None of that. Don't worry. <laughs> Where is it? Where's the weapon? Who else is out here? Who else? How many you got with you? I'm not going to ask you again. I walk alone like you. We always walk alone. Who me? Who are you, bro? Paris? Treadstone. Both of us. Treadstone? Which one? Paris. I live in Paris. Do you get the headaches? Yeah. I get such bad headaches. You know, at night when you drive in a car. I don't know, maybe it's something to do with the headlights. What is Treadstone? Treadstone said pills. They said, go to Paris. Is Treadstone in Paris? Look at this. Look at what they make you give. Broads with big bosoms. 